I'm Ken Hemmings, and he is Chris Lang, and welcome to another of these regular property briefings. Again, a warm welcome to you, Chris. Well, it's uh, good to be here back with you, Ken. In a number of earlier podcasts, you've briefly touched on how you feel about the retail sector. Have your views changed at all? Well, probably not, Ken. You see, it goes back to the global financial crisis. And when there was an economic downturn, and yes, it affected more the Western Australia and Queensland, but nonetheless, retailers have suffered because consumers have gotten nervous. And as a result of that, they're spending in other than essential goods and services, and I'm talking about, you know, food and things that they need to live as opposed to a lot of those discretionary items uh, and luxuries, Uh, and I don't mean that in an expensive sense, but things that you can do without, they've tended not to buy them, and it's a confidence thing. And as a result of that, you've seen more or less perpetual sales since about 2009, 2010, and it's still going on, you know, 50, 60% off. So it's a real issue as far as retail is concerned. Now, that's quite separate to how sensitive retail is to movements in interest rates. I mean, the first one is residential. If interest rates go up, that's affected, very closely followed by retail, to a lesser extent, industrial, where the Warehousing is therefore the supply of retailer, therefore those ones, those parts of the industrial market are affected. But offices as such, the surveys and research done show that the office market really doesn't relate to movements and interest rates. Now, I realise at the moment our interest rates are as low as they've ever been, and that's good, but nonetheless it hasn't really helped the retail market. It has the residential but the retail market is more based on confidence than it is just the movements and interest rates. So what my concern is that we're at the lowest interest rate at the moment and things aren't looking good for retail. So if interest rates and when interest rates start to increase again, and look, it it may not be until early next year, but they will start to go up. Now, if things aren't rosy for retail at the moment, it's only going to get worse as interest rates start to increase again. And so, as I've been saying for the last year or so, my preference is, as a, an investor, a passive investor, is offices number one, industrial, and that may be not just pure warehousing, but a combination of office and industrial together in the one tenancy, number two, and retail really is still, in my view, a distant third. Now, I know there's been some significant retail sales and some of the yields have been low. And what I don't understand is that the implication there is if they're prepared to accept low yields, that they're anticipating that rents will increase. I don't see how they will or how they can because the retailers um, are not in great shape. Turnover is down costs are escalating and I just don't see there's going to be a lot of 
rental growth and therefore capital growth in the retail sector. Now, some of the bulky goods stores, you know, your Bunnings and those larger ones, you know, Harvey Norman and so forth, but they're big ticket items. Not the, the, the average investor is not able to outlay three, four, five million dollars. So it's not a market that is readily available to the average investor. And so you're looking more at the strip shopping centres, which apart from the restaurant scene, which is certainly strong, your other specialty shops, you know, uh, fashion, accessories, gifts and so forth, are really not that strong. And so I think you've just got to be a little bit wary as far as the retail sector is concerned. Why do you still believe the retail property continues to present risks for commercial investors? Well, as I started to mention before, the retail sector, and this is Australia-wide, have really been in sale mode since the global financial crisis. And the problem you've got is that while their turnovers may be still at a reasonable level, They've had to discount to maintain turnover, therefore their profit has suffered. And unfortunately, a lot of the leases that were entered into going back four, five, six years ago with retailers had an automatic escalation clause built into them. And so the rents have been increasing by three, three and a half, four percent per annum. But the turnover's been, or the profit's been going in the opposite direction. So Their costs have been increasing, but their profit hasn't. And and that's why I don't think there is a huge capacity for rental increases going forward. And in fact, under most states' retail leases acts, when a market review comes up, it provides for the rent to actually fall. So even though the rent may have artificially been escalated per annum, by the built-in percentage increases, there could be a significant readjustment downwards to the base figure for the next period. If the retailers, in fact, exercise their option, they may choose to vacate the shop, and that's an even worse situation to be in. But let's suppose they stay on. They can ask for and obtain an independent valuation which takes no account of the rent they were actually paying at the time they exercised their option. A new base figure is established and it's to that figure that the agreed annual escalations would then apply. So there would be a a large drop in the base figure, the base rental, as far as a, a retail landlord was concerned. You've talked about the recent past to explain some of the dilemmas that retailers are facing. How do you see things going forward from here? Well, looking forward over the next 12 to 18 months, two years, there's actually a lot of activity going on in the retail sector. But the interesting thing is that it's it's mainly due to an influx of overseas retailers who are actually launching new stores within Australia. Now, we've already seen Zara and the like open up, but there are some key locations that are going to, where these they're going to open up. Now, in Melbourne alone, there's going to be another 18 of these stores. Sydney, 10. Brisbane, there's, I think, eight. 
and Perth 4, but you've got the likes, I think, in Sydney, Tesla and Microsoft and Kitten Ace and Cartier. You know, some of the big names are, are, are coming. In Melbourne, you've got Coach, Targ, Cartier, Van Cleef, even Legoland and Amiga are opening up. So, you know, you've got all these stores looking to compete in the retail market. Now, admittedly, it's predominantly in the CBD markets around Australia. But what that does for those landlords who are generally larger, sometimes institutional landlords, they're able to ask and obtain significant rent increases. Now, unfortunately, what happens is that the the neighbouring landlords who may not have benefited from these larger tenants tend to come rent review time, say to their tenants, well, look, you know, there's been a 50% increase in rent down there. We want at least 20% increase. Now, whether they get it or not is another thing. But you end up having a ripple effect, not only in the CBD, but moving out into the suburbs where the landlord's expectation tend to be inflated artificially by this influx of international traders. Now, in many respects, these international traders, their storefront is seen as partly advertising. So whereas the smaller traders enter into a lease and then have to spend money advertising and promoting their stores, given the prominent locations that these international ones obtain, they write off part of the increased rent as part of their corporate image advertising and besides, they get a lot of publicity through their, their just their store openings and things like that that will generate traffic. And as far as they're concerned, they, they're obviously taking a long-term position. It's not just a 12-month-to-three-year to exercise. They've come here to stake a claim and get an Australia-wide presence in key locations. As I said, mainly within the CBD but some of them will move out into, after they've bettered down their operations here, into strategic regional shopping centres. And all of that tends to adversely distort the rental profile as far as the traditional local retailer is concerned. Surely with all that activity, wouldn't you say retailing has turned the corner? Yeah, well, from the consumer's point of view, it certainly has. I mean, they're absolutely delighted with this extended variety to choose from. I mean, they're seeing clothes and styles that are only available overseas and that up until now, and and now they're starting to emerge in in Melbourne and um, Sydney and some of the other capital cities. And generally, with the opening launches, they have pretty competitive pricing, although the models they use enable them to generally maintain a, a very competitive price all year round. But as I said, the only other ones that are, say, have turned the corner are those larger landlords who may get increases of rent, as I said, up to 30%, 50%. But, but we're not all major landlords uh, as investors. You know, you, the smaller investors, as I said, are looking at the strip suburban shopping centres and that trader as your tenant. And 
you know, you just have to open the newspaper and see all the, the sales signs. And, and even then, sometimes on the windows, they walk in and say, look, up to 25% further markdown on, on, or discount on already marked down prices. So, you know, you compare it to the glory days of the retailers before the global financial crisis, and it's tough. I mean, as I said, they're being squeezed at both ends. The revenues are lower, but the costs are, are increasing. And, you know, it's not a good ideal recipe for remaining profitable. And it's, it's already been reflected in the higher vacancy rates within many of the strip shopping centres around Australia. So, yes, there's winners and losers, but it's the tenant who ultimately has to pay the rent that's the loser and something that, you know, as an investor, if you're looking to go into the retail sector, I'd want to see a more solid base before I was going in there and looking seriously at buying retail property. Apart from the influx of all these overseas traders, is there anything else likely to affect the retail sector in the foreseeable future? Yeah, well, certainly... There's a lot of buzz around these international retailers and as far as the local traders are concerned, you would have thought that it is enough, that additional competition is, is more than enough to keep them occupied. But you've got to remember there are some major regional shopping centres around Australia and six of them are about to add a further 260,000 square metres of retail space to their existing footprints. Now, I won't go through all of them and what they add up to, but, I mean, you've got Karen Yup Shopping Centre in Western Australia, Pacific Square in Queensland, Eastland Shopping Centre and Chadston Shopping Centre in Victoria, and then you've got Westfield, Chatswood and Norellan Town Centre in New South Wales. So what I might do is, not only for the international retailers coming here, but those regional shopping, I might put together a couple of charts and make them available under this podcast for you. But clearly, with that increased retail activity, it's certainly going to dilute the traffic that's available to the traditional strip centres as they gravitate towards not only the CBDs, but also these regional centres, which are going to create whiz-bang new fit-outs and environments and, I mean, I think we're going to start to see and are probably already seeing some major restructuring to food courts within their shopping centres. They're, they're just not going to be greasy takeaways anymore. You're going to have a lot of gourmet-like outlets, particularly a lot of them with health-oriented food and I just see that they're going to, certainly while people have the fascination of them being new, are going to cause a number of traditional shop, suburban shoppers to move in there, if nothing else, just to see what, what's on offer. And that can only further weaken the revenue prospects of those suburban strip retailers even more. So, I mean, the bottom line is that the added competition from these retailers is going to be significant and it's going to have an impact. It must have an impact on 
the existing traditional retailers. And this is the problem, is, is that a lot of smaller investors might start with residential, they might get into a bit of office, but most people will fall in love with retail strip shopping centres or shops in those shopping centres. And more often than not, a lot of these are sold at auction in a, a mass auction sale. I mean, Burgess Rawson, I think, have a number of these, as do other commercial agents, particularly in New South Wales. And, yeah, sometimes the leases are brand new. They might be good five-year leases. It's a, in some respects, they might be well-known names. Quite often they're franchises, so the name's well-known, but the financial capabilities of the actual operators may not be. And you've just got to be wary that you don't get carried away with the emotion and the excitement of an auction and then find out that you've bought something that may not have the substance that you anticipated that it did going forward. So, and I'm not saying for a moment don't buy retail if it's well-researched with a good tenant, good lease, and they're solid. And so... It's just a matter of, of understanding. And also, you know, in, in new suburban suburbs going forward, you know, people often ask me, when is the right time to buy in there? From Donald's and Kentucky Fried have gone in. Is that the right time? And the answer is, well, no, because they have to go in early because they have big footprints and they have to get the best positions. It's not until you start to see the likes of Gloria Jean's Nando's, Subway, and so forth, those chain operators, or their franchises actually, but the research they do is based upon demographics and economics, and they won't go into an area until they believe that there is substantial foot traffic to justify an outlet. So that effectively is telling you the tipping point as to when you should start to consider a new suburb. And quite often, particularly if they're young parents, a new food would be your best operation there because, you know, working mums on the way home, they want to grab a pizza or a charcoal chicken or whatever it is. And they don't have time to do cooking every day of the work week. So they'll grab food. And so quite often even though it's a relatively new suburb, those sort of shops can be good value. But as a general rule in the established areas, I would steer away from those discretionary items of fashion, accessories, gifts, and those related type of tenancies because they are the ones that are going to be most fragile once interest rates start to increase. So... What you're saying is that investors who are considering retail property still need to be very careful. Well, that's right, because the added competition from these international retailers and regional shopping centres will direct consumer demand away from suburban strip traders, which is where most small investors are buying retail property, and not only that, that those traders are going to have to contend with unwanted cost increases. Therefore, as a commercial property investor, 
you need to be wary of the continued fragility of the local retail market and also not allow yourself to be seduced by all the hype surrounding the current overseas invasion. Well, thank you for covering all of that, Chris. It certainly helps to explain the reasons for your ongoing concern with retail property.